to Fucked Up by Faith. My name's Jude Mills. In this podcast, we have conversations with people who've been fucked up by their faith, and we explore how they've found hope, healing, reconciliation, and forgiveness in or out of their faith tradition. My guest today is Marc-Henri Santos Paradella. Have I pronounced that correctly, Marc-Henri? Yes, you do. <laughs> Good. And Mark Henry is a writer foremost. He has written the book Toxic Jesus, A Journey from Holy Shit to Spiritual Healing, which I just think is a fabulous title. Um, and I have read some of it. I haven't quite finished it yet, but I'm, in, I'm enjoying what I've read so far. And Mark Henry is a former evangelical pastor. Um, quite some time ago, I'm led to believe whose healing journey led him to think about his spirituality in a very different way. Welcome, Mark Henri. It's really good to see you and to speak to you for this podcast. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Yeah, it's good to have you. Um, as always, I'm going to begin uh, by sharing a poem. And I confess that I hadn't... Um, I hadn't prepared one for today, so um, I kind of uh, allowed myself to be guided uh, by the the randomness of the internet, and um, I've chosen a poem by uh, Rilke, um, Reina Maria Rilke, called Buddha in Glory. Buddha in Glory, centre of all centres, core of cores, Almond, self-enclosed, and growing sweet. All this universe to the furthest stars, all beyond them is your flesh, your fruit. Now you feel how nothing clings to you. Your vast shell reaches into endless space, and there the rich, thick fluids rise and flow, illuminated in your infinite peace. A billion stars go spinning through the night, blazing high above your head, but in you is the presence that will be when all the stars are dead. Mm. Yeah. I will have to get my partner to read it to me in German because I think, you know, Rilke like most poetry is best read in its native tongue. Um, so, Marc-Henri, tell me how you were fucked up by your faith. Oh, I was fucked up by my faith. <laughs> it, it's a long story, obviously, because I I made it a book. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, but maybe I could begin with the first moment where I began to suspect that something was wrong with my faith. Yeah. And it's it's long ago, it was around the year, the, the end of the, the, the 20th century. I, it was near the, the beginning of two, 2000. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was an evangelical pastor. Yes. And I had been for 10 years already. And little by little, I was beginning to open my eyes on two things. I was beginning to open my eyes on the fact that 
I was deeply unhappy. Mm. Um, my marriage was really a mess. We were both, my ex-wife and I, trying to hide a lot of sufferings under, you know, this kind of carpet of religious faith, yeah. evangelicalism. And we had tried everything that was in the toolbox of evangelicalism. You know, we had tried to cast it away. We had tried to, to pray it away. We had tried Christian counseling and a lot of things. And we were both very sincere and very dedicated. And I was considering my, my work as a pastor, as a life mission, and so on and so on. And it is one thing, you know, that made me begin to reconsider. I, I was beginning to realize, okay, it doesn't work. Mm. And the other thing, and both were very closely related, was that I was beginning to realize how much the, the evangelical world I was living in was so narrow-minded. And, you know, I was a lot... As a pastor, I was talking a lot about grace, about God's love, about freedom, about uh, spiritual freedom. And in the same time, I was beginning to realize how much the faith of and the, the attitude of the group I was in was all based on fear. Mm. And you know, it was this mentality of we are a little group of chosen ones and there is a very clear boundary between us and the rest of the world mm -hmm. and the rest of the world is a threatening place. Yes. <laughs> and I was beginning to, to feel that it's, it's not right. And even it's not what Jesus is, is saying. No, no, exactly. <laughs> No, and both these things, you know, the, the, the personal suffering and the realization of this, this discrepancy between um, something I was deeply convinced about, God's love, grace, freedom, and so on, and this omnipresent fear mm. led me to begin a therapy. And it helped me little by little to open my eyes on the, the personal issues and, you know, finally to decide, okay, I need to leave my work as a pastor. Mm -hmm. And I, I told my church, okay, I'm leaving, I'm quitting. I'm not going to be a pastor anymore. And I did that because I, I really realized that it, it would allow me to open up my, my freedom to ask more questions. Yes questions that I wasn't free to ask, even to ask myself while being a pastor, mm. you know? And so I quit and I opened a new phase of my life, which was very difficult because I had to, to find a new job. I had to find a new um, set of friends because all my cycle of friends disappeared in a week. Yeah. <laughs> It, it was very impressing. I, I wasn't expecting that so much. Mm. Uh, I was expecting a bit of it, but not so much. Everybody disappeared. It was a whole in, life really in, in a question of 10 days. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
it's it was a kind of yeah life uh, total <laughs> how, how can i say that yeah it, it was an earthquake mm. i describe it as <laughs> throwing a bomb into my life yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. and okay i i quite managed it well i found a job i finally <laughs> took the courage to divorce years later, mm -hmm. which was the, the best thing I could do for myself and for my ex-wife. And, you know, little by little, finding a new balance, a new way of life. I met the, the beautiful woman who is my wife now. And, you know, a lot of good things. I discovered yoga. I began to open my mentality to other things. And I was still attracted to spirituality and but it was okay. I, I was doing my, my little path and I, I thought that evangelicalism was, was a kind of an ancient story for me. Mm. And I began to uh, enter into a very difficult moment of my life. I was diagnosed with cancer. Mm and uh, bone cancer which is quite rare and very difficult to treat so the only option that i had to to have a, a, a little chance of surviving was to let the the doctors cut my whole leg which happened and which was a horrible experience and you no know, after that i had a i, I had a week uh, in the in the therapy group and during this therapy group, something happened to me that was really unexpected and um, that was a kind of mystical experience mm. in reverse. In reverse? In reverse. Okay. A kind of strange, uh, twisted epiphany. <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> yeah. You know, I... I realized how much my the 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 the, the thirty and all, you know all this evangelical upbringing that I had been raised into and that, that I had embraced so much, how much it had left in my life toxic residues that were still active. Yeah until now mm. and you know i had a kind of epiphany not of jesus but of the toxic jesuses that's how i called them mm. toxic jesuses that were poisoning my relationship with myself mm -hmm. my ability to relate to others my ability to cope with reality and to face life challenges and my spirituality. I could maybe just read you uh, just the extract of the book where I I describe these toxic Jesus. Please do. Uh, yes, I think this will help okay listeners to. It's going to help you to understand what I mean. Yes. These are the toxic Jesuses I discovered in my inner world. Jesus the Negator wants us to dismiss our own experience, feelings, and intelligence. 
Jesus, the punisher who loves death and wants sacrifice and suffering. Jesus, the magician who expects things to come from above and wants us to do the same. Jesus, the castrator who makes humans small and disempowered. Jesus, the oppressor who gives power to tyrants. Jesus, the misogynist who hates and oppresses women. Jesus, the patriarchalist who promotes every system of domination. Jesus, the enabler who covers abuses. Jesus, the fanatic who supports extremism and violence. Jesus, the Puritan who despises human experience and pleasure. Jesus, the pure spirit, disincarnate and antisexual. Jesus Frankenstein gives birth to monsters. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's, I don't exaggerate. I, I saw them in a flash, yeah. you see. It was very, very clear. You know, this moment of clarity yeah. where the pieces of the puzzle were all coming together. And it took me uh, six months to a year after this experience, very short, very intense, to, to unpack it. And uh, that's the, the book I wrote. Mm. It was the unpacking, the unpacking of this experience. <laughs> yes. It, it opened my eyes to the, all the ways that I was uh, poisoned and that I was treating myself badly under the influence of these residues of my former faith. And in the same time, it opened something beautiful because I began to see the, the, the red thread of my authentic love for the divine and my authentic relationship with Jesus, the... The, not, the, not these toxic Jesuses, the but the real one. Yes. The real Jesus. Yes. 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 The real or the one I was, the, the one that that was, you know, for me, the, the, the incarnation of this love for the divine, of this openness to uh, grace and freedom. And so, you know, it made me reconsider mm. Mm. and integrate mm. my path, my spiritual journey. Yes. And you know, kind of finding the antidote to all this toxicity. Mm -hmm. Finding, for example, my freedom to... Finding, for example, the passivity that was born from all this relationship to a kind of all-powerful God and the notion of sin and things like that. And discovering that it had given birth to a kind of passivity in my relationship with my ability to face things, to face difficult moments of my life. And, you know, to take back my power, my ability, my agency. And a lot of such experiences happened during this process of unpacking and a, a beautiful discovery of a new, a really new and free and personal spirituality mm. that, that is, uh, kind of, you know, reconsidering my Christian heritage mm. and in the same time opening myself to, to a whole 
range of new influences, reading about Buddhism, about Hinduism, about witchery, about paganism, about uh, atheism, and you know, kind of beginning to, to, to discover this beautiful open, openness, this ability to listen to other humans who love the truth yes. and to receive from them and to share with them and you know to and i was doing it from this spiritual heritage which is christianity which is my upbringing mm-hmm. but i had to face the toxicity of this heritage to be able to to keep the good <laughs> the good part yeah. and to get rid of the toxic part mm-hmm. does it make sense yes and, and you used the word integration, and that's very much what it speaks of to me, is the ways in which you know, healing comes out of integrating all of, the, all of the parts of ourselves, as well as all of the parts that have shaped our, mm-hmm. our responses to the world. And that includes all of the negativity and the trauma. Yeah, yeah. You use a word, and you use it also in the book, um which is grace and Mm -hmm. i think it's a beautiful word and it's also one which is very misused um Mm -hmm. and i think i'd i'd like to to hear from what you what your understanding of grace is now my vision of grace totally changed Mm. because i had a notion of grace that was theoretical Yes. And the grace was about God forgiving us, was about me being a sinner, mm-hmm. being rotten, being flawed, and God opening his arms to, to, to give space for me, mm. uh, even if I was such a disaster. <laughs> yes. And <laughs> which doesn't make sense at all for me anymore, definitely. No. And the, 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 the understanding I have now of grace is by seeing the traces and the action of grace in my life. And doing that, which was almost the, it was the process of unpacking the toxic Jesuses, it was the process of discovering this grace, this active grace. And this grace was active in a very unexpected way. Mm. You know, it was much more the grace that comes to, uh, that comes to to make things difficult Mm. in order that I begin to realize that it wasn't okay. It was, you know, like the grain of salt that comes in a very strong machine and that is able to to make this machine stop and crack. And the strong machine was this whole system of oppression that I was embracing without realizing it. And in the same time, grace was, you know, this little plant, this little seed of 
revolt, of discomfort, of um, desires, you know, the, the desires that you try to repress and that don't give up. A lot of little seeds that were planted into my life, just waiting for this opportunity to, to begin to be able to grow and to, uh, to invite me to a, new, uh, to a new understanding and to a new way of living. Mm. I think I could resume it this way. Mm. Uh, Almost like the I, antidote I, to shame. Yeah, it was antidote to shame and antidote to oppression. Yes. Uh, I call it a fierce grace. Yes. No, the, a very uncomfortable grace. Yes. <laughs> a very disturbing grace. Yes. Uh, grace who comes and, you know, the. I use the image in my book of the, the little stone that you have in your shoe. Yes. And you cannot forget it. You can try, but at some point, you're going to have to stop and take off your shoe. And of course, you had, you had quite a, a, a big stone. You had an experience of, of cancer, which sort of partly brought you to this reverse epiphany as you described it you know you your your cancer meant that you you lost your leg you, you had a leg amputated but there's something because I'm a hospice chaplain I work a lot with people with life-threatening illness who have these moments of epiphany um of of realizing that what like what life really means what's really important and what mm -hmm. what isn't important and mm -hmm. you know that sort of life-threatening illness brings you to this edge where grace can potentially be felt yeah one thing that happened and that was very important for me you know it's uh, i'm a meditation teacher mm -hmm four years. And when I, I heard that I was uh, ill and that I had this, uh, this cancer uh, going on, I was obviously terrified. Yes. And uh, everything was very, very quick. You know, I had to decide if I would agree for this amputation. And I was just sleep, trying to sleep at night the day before I had to to go to the hospital and do a lot of exams mm. and know that if I would survive and if this uh, surgery could happen and I had to tell them that I was okay. So, you know, it was a context very, very, very tense and so on. And I was trying to sleep, totally terrified. And, you know, I did what I had learned, what, what I had teached people during years. I began just to concentrate on my breathing yeah. and try to find a little calming down of this turmoil, this inner turmoil. And I don't know why I was drawn to use a mantra, which I never did hmm. before. And I use uh, the name of Jesus as my mantra. You know, it was probably a kind of, wow, uh, regression <laughs> in some past <laughs> Uh, mm. attempt of finding a kind of comfort mm. 
but I used Jesus inhaling, Jesus exhaling, and I did that for some cycles of breathing. And something happened in a very, very unexpected way again. And uh, it is that I suddenly began to feel totally peaceful. And I was seeing myself metaphorically, you know, like being seated into the eye of the hurricane. Yes. And I was knowing, I cannot say feeling, I, I can say knowing that Jesus was here with me. Mm -hmm. And I was so touched by it, so grateful, so happy. And I could see the turmoil, I could see the fear, I could see the terror, I could see the anger, I could see the, the, the illness. Everything was around, you know, the, 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 the hurricane was here. It was not suppressed. Yes. But I had this place from where I could relate to it and from where I was able to face it and to embrace it to give space to my anger, to give space to my fear, to give space to my sadness, and so on, and so on. And did this experience didn't leave me after this moment of meditation. And I had it with me during all the time that I faced the surgery, uh, collapsed into uh, sleep, and woke up without my leg, and learned to to readapt to a life of a handicapped man and so on and so on and so on. And it was a very beautiful and very intense experience. Mm. And at the same time, it, it, put, it, it kind of shed light on my whole past spiritual journey into evangelicalism. Mm. And that's what led me to this moment of twisted epiphany yes. <laughs> that I described, uh, you know, it, it was like this light of uh, an authentic experience of kind of uh, the presence of the divine. And I was like, you know, taking the stone and looking under the stone and this light was shining on all the worms and disgusting little animals that were hidden <laughs> under the stone yeah. of my spiritual journey. And these little scrambling, crawling, disgusting animals were the toxic Jesus. Yeah. And in a way they were, the, the fact that I was able to see them, to discern them was related with the fact that I had this experience of authentic peace in the midst of the uh, of such difficult moments yeah. okay. and of course that peace came from the inner experience mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. and that that has been my own experience as well of connection to the divine and to to christ from the inner experience of meditation mm -hmm. and and I'm wondering how, I mean, obviously your practice of meditation was profound um, in this experience. I think 
it's not exactly the practice of meditation. It's this whole experience, mm. you know, of connection and of uh, clarity of, on the toxic part. Yes. Yeah. You know, this, this experience of deeply understanding how much spirituality has these two sides. Mm. This totally toxic side when we use it to bypass mm -hmm. part of our human experience and this authentic connection, aspiration, longing for the divine that I realized was ingrained in me from, from my birth, mm -hmm. probably. And it changed, I would say, more my spirituality than my meditation practice. Mm -hmm. My meditation practice, you know, it it has ups and downs, and but um, I think my whole spirituality now is around listening to others mm -hmm. and finding the ways to treat me better. Yes, to treat me with a little more respect, a little more tenderness every day. Mm -hmm. In some way, what some ways it sounds to me like you have become a better pastor by not not being a pastor. <laughs> by not being a pastor anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that's true. That <laughs> now, when I when I give, for example, my meditation classes, mm. uh, I, there is a kind of inner, uh, deep inner uh, satisfaction and gratefulness to be able to share mm. such important tools, not the technique of meditation, but to help people to connect with their, their inside and yeah. to, to connect with the, the part of them that, that, is, uh, that is embodying this this grace and love and uh, tenderness mm. that I met, I can say, yeah. Mm. I talk to a lot, you may know because of the nature of my podcast, I talk to a lot of people who are ex-evangelical Christians. Of course. <laughs> and um, and a, a lot of those, those people go through a period of what they describe as deconstruction or is, is being described mm -hmm. as deconstruction. And I'm wondering if you have any thoughts or advice for, for people who are, who are questioning or deconstructing now, but who still want, who, who don't want to reject their spiritual life. Yes. <laughs> I would say find a good therapist. Mm who is not a uh, Christian, but who is very respectful. Mm. And um, read my book, of course. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> it was a joke. Uh, but, but listen to people who went through the same kind of things. Mm. And open to these different experiences, you know, some people deconstructing, they, they become atheists. Yes. And there is a deep uh, 
spirituality into atheism. You know, the, the fact of refusing to, to, to put God into a box mm. can be so important for us to, to hear. And other people become witches or become yogis or become Hinduists or become mystical Christians. Or there are a lot of paths, a lot of ways to, a lot of discoveries to make. I think it's so important to listen to the experiences of other people. And I wouldn't give too much advices, you know, find the freedom to, to go your own way, mm. find the freedom to, to ask questions and to doubt and to reject everything you need to reject. And maybe to come back to some of it after when you have rejected it and to, which is what I did. Yeah. Yeah. Even if my, my relationship with Jesus would probably, uh, how can I say that? It's totally unevangelical. Mm. Uh, if I was, uh, if the pastor I was uh, 40 years ago was meeting me today, I would think this man has a serious problem and probably needs to be exorcised or something. Or I... <laughs> exercise yourself. Yes, and you know we 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 don't we need not to neglect the fact that. It's not only a question of evangelicalism. Christianity has been very much a patriarchal thing mm -hmm. and very much uh, about uh, forgetting and trying to hide a lot of what Jesus seems to have said or to have done. So we need to find our freedom mm -hmm. to, to reconsider it. Mm -hmm. And and absolutely to question yeah, absolutely yeah, yeah. to question and yeah. even if it means coming as you say coming back to look at it afresh and in a different way and in a way that is more liberated yeah yeah, yeah. there is a, a podcast that i love very much and it's it's called seeking health podcast yes yeah the the the, the woman and the man uh, angiska i don't remember the their, their name and josia mayor i think mm -hmm. and i think they both were very much involved into evangelicalism and missionaries and so on and they were very much into this kind of revolted deconstructing and no it looks like uh, they are back into a kind of mystical christianity and i find it beautiful to see this 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 journey yeah. this unfolding and giving themselves the freedom to question to to evolve not to be in the same moment both of them because they are a couple and you know i i find it very beautiful and inspiring i ask all my guests to share something a poem a prayer mm -hmm. a blessing you might want to read from your book some more i don't know what you hmm. what could i i could read just it's, it's a, a quote mm -hmm. that I wrote in the beginning of my chapter about grace. Lovely, yes. The name of the chapter is Great Indeed, but what a fierce grace. Yes. 
And the quote is from Nietzsche. It's uh, an extract from uh, Thus Spoke Zarathustra. I say unto you, one must still have cows in oneself to give birth to a dancing star. Mm. And the other quote that is in my book, it's from the Gospel of uh, Thomas. Yes. Words attributed to Jesus, Gospel of Thomas. Mm -hmm. If you bring forth what is within you, what you bring forth will save you. If you do not bring forth what is within you, what you do not bring forth will destroy you. Can you read that again, Marc-Henri? Oh, yeah. yeah. It bears repeating, I think. Yeah. Words attributed to Jesus, Gospel of Thomas. If you bring forth what is within you, what you bring forth will save you. If you do not bring forth what is within you, what you do not bring forth will destroy you. Mm, thank you. And of course, for for our listeners who don't know, uh, the Gospel of Thomas is one of the Gospels that did not make it into the, the canonical Bible, so the Bible as you know it, but is very rich. Um, you, you might find it in, in Apocrypha or as a separate uh, book or document, but worth a read. Mm, thank you. Thank you very much, Marc-Henri, for being my guest. I feel like we could talk for another two weeks, <laughs> and maybe we will. It might be nice to work with you. Really, thank you. You're very, very, very welcome. You've been listening to Fucked Up by Faith with me, Jude Mills. Our music is by David Goodall, and you can find the podcast on Spotify and all major podcast channels. If you would like to take part in the podcast or you know someone who would be an awesome guest, please do get in touch. You can do that via my website, judemills.com forward slash podcast. And I look forward to hearing from you. Go well.